So this is Better Than Moses is this chapter. And if you want to turn to where we have the discussion, group discussion questions, you'll have them in front of you. And so the first, the, like the opening question says, who do you look up to the most and why? So if you haven't written it down, I'll never know, but I'll give you like a couple of seconds to think in your head, who have you looked up to? Who? Jesus. 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 How about people? Any people that you feel? See, and I thought it would be um, selfish to name a person. You thought it would be selfish? That's what I thought. You know what? I asked my husband because, you know, he's got no buy into this. And I said, who do you look up to, Gilbert? Nobody. And I'm like, there isn't anybody that you feel like, wow, I wished I could have my life be, you know, I would be more like them in my life. Nope, I'm happy with my life the way it is. <laughs> you know what? I always told Kim, I want to be like her when I grow up. Yeah. Well, I told my sister-in-law, Corley, that she's my person. But then I said I couldn't say it because I had to cry when I was tell- talking but to her about it. So she's not here, so I can, t- I can talk about her now without crying. But I feel like with Corley, she has had a lot of um, just hardship in her life. And every day is not perfect. Corley is not perfect every day. Cora is not perfect every day. But I see her heart, and she has such a heart for Jesus. And she, um, I, t- I just feel like she is an example of how Jesus would want us to act. You know, she's, where she, you know, I'm snarly, she's kind. And, you know, where she smiles at people in the grocery store, I'm like, no eye contact, no eye contact, you know. <laughs> You know, and she's always looking for an opportunity to interact with someone. And, and very helpful emotionally to people. Yeah, very helpful emotionally to people. No, because she's had enough pain in her life that she knows what it feels like to have pain and to come out victorious through Jesus. So I guess if it was going to be somebody, it would, sorry, Cor- Carla, it would be Cora. <laughs> <laughs> I'm number two. Yeah, or somewhere down there. (laughs) So um, the next question, it says, observe. Why might a contrast between Christ and Moses have been necessary and helpful for the original hearers of Hebrews? Do you guys remember what what that might be? It's question 10. I didn't write anything down because I went over them, but I didn't write just the first one. But I put... I was thinking when I read this that the original, let me see, what does it say? The contrast between Christ and Moses. Oh, okay. Um, Moses was chosen to lead, but Christ is our Savior. But think about the original Jewish listeners oh, to Hebrews. Right. You know, they why would. He was their Savior? Yeah, the man. He led him out of Egypt. He was the man. He wrote the five, first five books of the Bible. You know, so he was probably that person on the pedestal. It's snowing. So then when you go to apply, um, what, 
So what great man or woman of faith have you placed on a pedestal? And I don't know that I really have, you know? Have you girls ever had like someone in the church maybe that you thought was awesome? Maybe when I was younger, a mentor. And what's the danger of doing that? They fall off their pedestal for sure. You don't ever want to be on the pedestal. That's a pretty quick nosedive down. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two, um, this is question 15. How does Numbers 20, 2 through 13, reinforce the author's assertion that Jesus is greater than Moses? Um, does, does anyone have a Bible on them that they could pull that up? Can you... Wendy, can you pull that one up? Oh, numbers? Numbers, yeah. Numbers 22 through 13. Okay, it's going to to take a minute. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, numbers. I know, I know. I've been through it. This is, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I still have to because I don't have the things. Okay. If, you, uh, if, you're, if you're in Deuteronomy, go back to the beginning. Yeah, I've got to go Did back. Oh, there it is. There we are. Okay. Numbers t- 22 through 13. Okay. I thought this was an interesting passage. Okay. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the uh, Lord's community into this desert? That we and our livestock should die here. Why did you bring us up to Egypt, to this terrible place? that has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. There is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went to the assembly to the entrance to the tent, uh, went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. How far am I going? Uh, to 13. Okay. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. These were the waters of Meribah, Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he showed himself holy among them. So the question is, how does that reinforce the, reinforce the author's assertion that Jesus is greater than Moses? Moses didn't have the faith. Moses didn't have the faith, and, and he didn't honor God. He didn't he, do what he asked. Didn't do what he asked. You know, he banged the rock twice and said, you rebels, you know. <laughs> he was supposed to speak. Yeah. 
And so um, he didn't give God that glory. And he was angry with the, with the people and kind of a little bit self-assured. I don't know. I don't know. To me, it made it look like he didn't give credit to the Lord and made it look like, hey, I did something. Conceit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so think about what circumstance you're tempted to place your confidence in, in something or someone other than God. And what hardness of heart might this re- be revealing in you? So I was talking to Corley this morning about this, this question. And it's kind of like the very thing in her that I admire, her super uh, reliance on the Lord is the thing that I hate in myself that I can become um, so self-reliant. Sure, I'll ask you to help me, but if you don't do it right now, you know, never mind, I'll just do it myself. You know, and it's something, so I, I know that it's something that in my heart the Lord's been, for years the Lord's been working with me on being self-assured and self-reliant instead of being reliant on Him. So I, I cause myself a lot of extra worry and heartache just because I don't relax and and rely on him. How about you girls? Hmm. I get impatient. Kind of along the same lines. Yeah. I get impatient. I'll ask Lord, the Lord for, for help or answers for certain things. And I think, well, uh, then I think I've got a really good idea. And I have one for it. Help him. Yeah. I, think, I think I've got this. <laughs> I got it, Lord. I can do it now. Yeah. Yeah, that whole waiting on the Lord is really mm-hmm. difficult. Really difficult to do. Okay, the, the question number three. The Old Testament Israel had the opportunity to enter into the physical rest of the promised land, a rest from their wandering and their enemies. We have the opportunity to enter into a uh, rest of a different nature. Based on Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Sharon, can you look that one up? Sure. Since you got the tabs. No, Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. What works do we rest from when we rest in Christ? So the Hebrews were resting from their wandering and their enemies, but when we're able to enter into God's rest from Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, what does that mean? Eleven, 11 28 and 29. Yes. Come to me, all who are So the question, what work or works do we rest from when we rest in Christ? Rest for our soul. Rest for our soul. I think in this world that's striving too. Um, 
when I was working, I was always striving, you know. I had to do this and 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 more of this and this. And now I don't feel that as much, although I create my own strife at home, my own striving at home, but still, and taking on his yoke, um, the yoke that we place on ourselves is sometimes so much harder than what our Lord would place on us. Our expectations for ourselves and, and even for others, you know, the expectation I might have for my husband is so much harder than what the Lord would have for him. Any other thoughts on that one? All I can do is peace of mind. Peace of mind, peace yeah. Peace of mind. It's a, yeah. Just kind of let it go. Yeah. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard just to let things go. For a moment we can. Just a mm-hmm. Yep. And then we pick it back up off the altar and march on with it. (laughs) Okay. um, Number four. This is going to be Hebrews 4.12. Who wants to read that one while I'm reading the question? Hebrews 4.12. You got that one, Linda? Okay. Um, Hebrews 4.12 is probably familiar to you. It is often quoted to illustrate the power of God's word to change us. How does reading this verse in context, uh, particularly um, its competing thought in verse 13, change the expand or expand the way you understand its message? You want to read that? Read 12 and 13. So it's sharper than a two-edged sword, the word is. Have you known um, this to be true in your own experiences where God's word has been sharp? And describe a time when the word divided you. What were the results? So I think that was a hard question. I didn't quite understand the question. Well, I think it was kind of a harder question. Did you guys get that one? I, I think the, the way I kind of understood it was when it talks about it divides to the thoughts and intentions because if anything, I think that's where God's word really will give me a sharp little divide. What are your thoughts and your intentions, Susie? I mean, maybe I'm not robbing or stealing or murdering, but the thoughts and intentions are where... You know, my sin life lives over there in thoughts and intentions, (laughs) you know. And so I think that that's where God's word speaks to me the most about. And so I've just gotten to where I'm like, Lord, you know, search my heart. If there's anything in it, tell me, show me. You know, I don't want to make you unhappy. So you know that my thoughts and intentions are 
not always good sometimes. And I'd like to say, well, my intentions are good, but sometimes those aren't even good either, Lord. <laughs> I, I got kind of like self-centered intentions sometimes, lots of times, Lord. Okay, lots of times. <laughs> Anything else you can think of in your lives that you feel like God's word spoke to you and kind of divided you like a sharp sword? Sometimes it could come from somebody else that the Lord spoke to, and it comes through their word at you. Yes. You know? Uh, and it's I'm a confirmation that. maybe of what God's been telling you. Oh, yeah. The Lord told me that. Mm-hmm. It, oh, and, 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 and it's a truth. It's yeah. It's you know, funny little false prophecy. But. Yeah, but something that you know confirms in your heart okay. that, yeah, that could be true, Lord. All right. This last one, I think it's a fill in your own statement one because I couldn't find an answer or anything that sounded right or wrong so y'all can't copy my answer you have to you have to put your own answer in there <laughs> so it says knowing so okay let me look at five first what aspect of God's character has this week's passage in Hebrews shown you more clearly did anyone kind of have a little bit of shaky legs when you read the part that says today, if you hear his word, do not be hard-hearted or whatever exactly was. I mean, that, I, I know that it doesn't mean, I mean, I know that there is grace and it is by grace we're saved. So our messing up isn't going to take away that salvation. But I, I came across, away feeling like, but there is a righteousness to God that I think sometimes in our age that we overlook. Um, not so, and, and I don't want to make it sound like we're not legalistic enough, but I believe there is a righteousness in God that maybe was more observed back in the day Hebrews was written than it is now. And I think, yes, God is a God of grace, but I think he also has a time when he says enough is enough. He's yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't want to walk away or have anyone walk away feeling like, you know, if you harden your heart and don't listen to God this day, you're done. I don't think that's what it's saying. I mean, it kind of scares you a little bit because let me go back to my Hebrews. Um, Yeah, it says, Therefore the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and and saw my works for 40 years. So they saw God's works for 40 years, and yet they still came out with these hard hearts, and they didn't listen to him. And so I, I think that there, there will come a point. So what do you think today means? Today. But today could mean, I, I think it, it kind of came any time after Jesus rose from the dead till the time Jesus returns, I kind of count that whole time frame as today, that you will have a chance 
all of this today time frame. And somebody ought to fact check me on that because I'm not positive that's what that means. But I kind of came away with that feeling that today doesn't mean one 24-hour period. It's the period from the time Jesus rose from the dead to the time Jesus returns or the rapture comes. That whole period is called today. And in that time, God is going to constantly be calling us to him, calling us to be in right relationship with him, calling us to have a a personal relationship with him. But there is going to come a time that today is going to be over. And if you still have that hard heart, you're not going to enter into his rest. I don't know. Somebody fact check me on that. Yeah, but I could be wrong. So ask questions of more knowledgeable people than me. And um, I kind of think that's what it meant to me. Do you guys have any other ideas? Well, I, that makes a lot of sense to me, too. And then I go really literal, and I think, today. So whoever's reading and it says today, you better, today. I'm literal, too. Yeah, yeah, today, you better you know, well, be in line. Well, I, I agree with you guys, because sometimes today is our last day. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're not going to have until the rapture. You know, so So every time you have opportunity to have that relationship with the Lord, don't blow it. You know, take it, take it every chance. But, you know, I I don't think it means that, um, wow, you forgot one little thing and now you're out. It doesn't, I don't think it means that. I think that, so when it comes to this part down here, you have to fill in the blanks. What I wrote was knowing that God is righteous shows me that I am saved by grace alone through the blood of Jesus shed for me. You know, he is a righteous God, and there will become a time when today is over. That makes sense? All right, anything else you guys got out of this? They didn't really bring that piece up, and I know that that's the piece that was kind of weighing on my mind. What does that mean, that today? Did, was there anything else in here that you guys kind of wondered about? The other one, it was down over here on the bottom in the back on 171 in Hebrews 4. Um, it's talking and it says, They shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. So that makes it sound like, can I lose my salvation? You know, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long after, in the words already quoted, today if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. If for If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the the note I wrote next to it just said, rest wasn't given, that type of rest is not given by Joshua, but only God on a later day, the today that can last from that long period. Anything else? You guys have questions? 
That was pastor in church. Remember in church he was saying we have to have a day of rest? No, I don't think so. I, I don't know. Did you guys read anything about we have to take a day of rest? I think that was pastor at church. Yeah. What did you think? Did you? I think it's a different than like resting on the Sabbath. Yeah. I, I took that as a, that this was a different type of rest. Even different from the rest that Joshua or Moses were talking about. That was a resting from wandering and your enemies. And, and I think that there is that kind of rest with us too. I mean, it's kind of like what Wendy and I were talking about, being able to let go. Aren't we resting from our wandering when we let go and trust the Lord? Aren't we resting from our enemies' attacks when we're trusting the Lord? I mean, there's that kind of rest. And we're at peace when we're trusting. Yes, there is. There is that. I think it's that kind of rest. And then the rest of at the end of our life, we have rest and peace. So, yeah. All right. 